When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Texas podcast. My name is Dan Hill. HH. Hey, everyone. It's Carl Anker. Once again, surprised that he's calling himself HH on the internet. We do the mm. podcast every Tuesday. Remember to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star mm. review and we'll read it on the show. If you're on SoundCloud, hit the hearts. And if you want to drop a little in the offering plate, in the collection plate, remember to hit us up on Patreon at Talking Tactics. All the links are in the description. Half Hope, where can people find you? Uh, Halfhopefootballerhot.com Carl, tell the people what you do. Uh, I am the Manchester United reporter for The Athletic. You can find all of my writing on football on The Athletic. At, for this week, we've got a special 50% off for new subscribers to celebrate the return of European football. So you can go to theathletic.com slash UCL. And then you should be able to get uh, 50% off new subscriptions. Uh, I By the time this podcast goes out, I have a brand new piece up on Manchester United and their weaknesses at set pieces. Uh, I will also be covering their game against Real Sociedad on Thursday. I did have to remind myself that Europa League games were on the Thursday because, oh, ouch. It's not that bad, except it's a good for the jingle. fact that it's Thursday. It's a good jingle. And, it, and the Champions League is obviously like elite. But anyway, all right, guys, I lost power in an ice storm this weekend. So from Saturday morning until Sunday night, so basically two days, um, yeah, I didn't have TV, I didn't have internet, you know, I had cellular, and I could kind of, well, basically, like over half a million people lost power. So imagine all of those people trying to hop on AT&T's cellular plan, trying to figure out whatever they're trying to figure out. It was impossible, so... Um, the last thing I noticed was Liverpool conceded to Leicester, and I put out some laughing emojis, and then my power went black. So that's the last thing I know. But apparently, uh, Liverpool capitulated. That's all I've got this week. So the rest is on you too. Liverpool is sort. Of, it's like maybe it just shows you what the Premier League is about, where you can never fall asleep. You know, and they can never like be asleep at the wheel, but it's like Liverpool that were dominating, controlling, controlling the game, controlling the narrative and so forth, and then just out of nowhere, free kicked because I mean Liverpool's goal was good. Very good goal. Great pass from um Firmino, Pirouette, Salah, great finish, and then from there you think okay, yeah, Liverpool are fine. 
Leicester City have hardly had that many chances. They only had like the one chance when Vardy hit the bar, but Liverpool controlled the, the, the game. But it goes back to the whole thing that Mourinho said. All because you have the possession of the ball doesn't mean that you're controlling the game. And I think um, for Rodgers, his tactical plan was counterpunch, counterpunch, counterpunch. So every time Leicester City had the ball, they tried to get it into the attack as quickly as possible. So they're not really worried about keeping the ball, just trying to hot Liverpool. And whenever the um, the line came up high, so it's you could see what they were trying to do, but it just didn't seem to be working that well. But again, you know, they get a free kick, boom, goal, and then just out of nowhere, you see the Becker and Kubak missed. Well, a Becker mis- mistake. Let's just be clear; they declined with one another, but it was Becker's mis- mistake, and then from there, just another self destruction. I think it just shows you again about how. Liverpool are two things. First thing is how Liverpool are struggling. Um, this is now a serious crisis because it seems as if, like, you know, these guys can't really buy a win and I think they've lost the belief in themselves. Mm, okay, maybe I'll say three things. Second thing, Thiago Alcantara, we have to have a conversation with regards to his performances and his effectiveness so far. And the third thing is look, give M. Rogers that dub. Bands is from the road. I mean, I may not disrespect, but he, a lot of those players in Leicester City are from the road. And how he's been able to get these guys so high up in the table and be doing so well shows great management because I can see that a lot of these players are very limited, very limited footballing-wise. But he just created a great blueprint and a great plan that has just allowed them to, really, to get results and just be as effective and maximize their strengths. So you have to really give Rodgers a lot of credit. I agree a lot with what Hope said there. I really want to give credit to Leicester in this one. They had a game plan. They slowly grew into it and then ran about the 60th to 70th minute. They executed really well. What was really interesting in this game was not only the on-field events, but the interview afterwards with James Madison, who talked a little bit about the fact that they played with a midfield diamond. Uh, Madison said, you play with a midfield diamond because we think, you know, Rogers thought you could get to Liverpool through sanctuaries you can work around their midfield three now which is not where it used to be and you can basically get to their soft centre which they did this was a remarkable collapse from Liverpool for a large large part of the game they were very much in control they had the possession they also controlled the space well Firmino's assist for Salah's goal was incredible and they were mostly cruising but when it fell it fell from a great height Great free kick from James Madison. And then Harvey Barnes just really explained the space that was given to him, that was afforded to him, due to Wilfred Ndidi's very, very good work destroying Liverpool in midfield areas. Ndidi put the clamps on Thiago. Uh, Thiago, I don't think, is well suited to being the deepest lying midfielder in Liverpool's system right now. You have to bear in mind, Thiago was signed to play next to Fabinho. So it was. I think the intention was... Tiago Henderson and Fabinho. Fabinho being the deepest line person, Tiago would be like the number eight in the sort of genie one album role. Whereas what's happened due to injuries and, and miscreant and stuff is that you've got Henderson playing centre back, Fabinho now being injured, uh, and Tiago trying to regulate play in a league he's not really used to. Uh, and also the fact that a key part of Liverpool and Liverpool system is the deepest line person basically has to act as a stopper. And at the moment, I mean, arguably right now, the best stopper in the league, the best number six in the league is probably Wilfred Ndidi. Ndidi did to Thiago what Fabinho used to do to other teams. And it, it just 
just went from there. Harvey Barnes putting in fantastic performance to, you know, give him a decent shout of whether or not he should be in the Euro 2020 squad. James Madison, once again, improved his case so Eddie should be in the England 2020 squad. Jamie Vardy did what Jamie Vardy does, which is make a mockery of uh, well-experienced centre-backs and also less-experienced centre-backs. And, and Liverpool look woozy. That's the first time they've lost three league games in a row since 2014, I believe. Uh, and, you know, have you ever, you seen the bit in Rocky Four where Rocky punches Ivan Drago and he goes, he's cut, he's cut. Mm-hmm. And you realise, you know, gods do bleed and you can beat them up. I think the aura of invincibility that was around this Liverpool team has been well and truly shattered. And now teams, you know, world's going around the league that teams can get at you. Liverpool will be good and they will get better. I think they still have enough to, to be in the top four. But it's an almighty fall from grace that we're talking about. Liverpool maybe or maybe not qualifying for the top four. Actually, let me ask you guys this then. How much do you think Klopp or Liverpool fans can look at the defensive crisis as a result of why it's it's been so bad? Because on one hand, you say, how many teams lose their top three central defenders for the entire season? Not just a few weeks, the entire season. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side is that what people normally say is that, cool, all right, we're going, to def- we're going to concede at least one or two. At least if you score two, three, or four, okay, we win three, two. We win four, two. But the fact that you're not scoring, it puts undue pressure on a makeshift defense. So, so well, that's. I, I think a large to... reason that Liverpool's attack was so potent was Van Dyke, Gomez, Van Dyke, Matip, or whoever would guard the space that Trent. And Andy Robertson, when when they went forward, they would guard that space. And then their attack was, yeah, it was the front three of Salah, Firmino, <laughs> and Mane. Mm. But also, you have to add the two fullbacks that were getting like double-digit assists and things like that. Once you remove Van Dyke and you remove Gomez, you remove Matip, and you remove like those kind of safety guards, I don't know how effective the fullbacks can be, which then affects oh. their their offensive production as well as the defending. So I think it's like... It, oh, it, that, 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 wait, 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 explain. That makes no sense, but explain that. Thing. If I may jump in. Liverpool are a team that has been constructed to be greater than the sum of their parts. You can't just take a... You can't just take this many players out and expect a similar production. So when you talk about Liverpool's defence, Liverpool's defence isn't just their back four. It's their back four and also how Alisson interacts with that because Alisson patrols a certain amount of space which lets you know where the centre-backs are meant to work. On top of that, the back four, the back four interacts with the middle three. So you know the full-backs know they can progress because the midfield can drop back into deeper areas and protect the areas where the fullbacks will press forward into. They know how to do that. You also have the area where if you've got Van Dijk and you've got um, Joe, Joe Gomez, that affects the attack because when the attack isn't working from the angles that the fullbacks are trying to get to or the angles that Jordan Henderson is trying to get to, then what normally happens is Virgil Van Dijk does long crossfield raking balls. So that's another area, right? And then the, the, the idea is when you're trying to break down a team that defends deep or works in a low block, you want to stretch the pitch horizontally in terms of width, which is what Liverpool's fullbacks do all the time. So that means the opposition fullbacks and the opposition wide players have to stay wide to deal with the threats of the fullbacks, which means there's more space in the middle for the Liverpool's front three to attack, which means you cause overloads in the half spaces against the centre-backs, right? This entire Liverpool's team is constructed so part A goes into part B, which makes part C better, which makes part D better, which makes part E better. And then 
when you start taking out huge chunks, like you're seeing in the way. So Van Dyke taking out means uh, Liverpool can't defend with as high up as a line, which means uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold has to hit his crosses from deeper and more acute angles. So Trent Alexander-Arnold is less effective. Then you've had to put Jordan Henderson in the in centre centre back, which causes knock on effects for central midfield. So central midfield isn't passing as quickly as they want, which means the front three can't pass as well as they want. This isn't this isn't any other manager or any other team would be able to shoulder this risk. This is the fact that the way Klopp has constructed this team, this is the year five evolution of something he's been trying to build for years and years and years and get in a very certain way. And what you've done is just, you've just taken a bunch of Jenga blocks out at the last moment and you're wondering why everything's falling apart. Respond to that. Okay, that is fair in terms of what Evan Dyke will bring in terms of his distribution on the ball and also how they can help so support the fullbacks. But at the end of the day, watching the games, they are not producing the kind of clear-cut chances that they normally will because at the end of the day, there are still um, scenarios in the game in which Robertson... Trends, they are right there, about to cross the ball, but those crosses aren't being as effective as they used to be. Fair Firmino, when he now drops back, he's not being as effective. He's not giving the balls to a Salah or Mane. Salah, he's not getting himself into those right pockets to score. Mane, giving him the ball, he's not creating those safe situations for himself. So I think we can't just put it on, okay, you've taken away these chunks and uh, everything fails. Yes, it can affect it, but at the end of the day, football is still for, for ball. You still have the ball at your feet. And when the ball is at your feet, a year ago or nine months ago, we know what you can do. We knew what's going to happen where, boom, Sal has the ball to his feet. Who cares who is playing or not playing? He has the ball. You know that he's going to get into his pocket and get his shot off. Mane, we know that. Put that ball in there. He's going to create a situation. He's going to get something off. So the fact is that I think the individuals themselves are just not being effective enough. And we can't just put that on. Oh, my gosh. Van Dijk and thing is and there. But when we receive the ball, we are not as effective as we were like once ago. So you know, it's it's I, I, it's, I, it's half and half, right? So yeah. you're receiving the, you're receiving the ball in less dangerous areas because you used to have a better platform to which perform, right. and then also there's just less there's less communication. You're receiving the ball in different areas, receiving the ball in tighter areas. There's the idea that opposition teams are getting better at nullifying what your plan A used to be. Yeah. So you execute you execute plan A worse than what you used to due to injuries and players out, you're losing confidence in plan A because you're playing so many games in tight order and you're getting you're dealing with mental fatigue. Now, I think I think Liverpool as a system definitely could have done things differently. I, I certainly would have thought Jordan Henderson at centre back should have stopped a while ago and they probably should have possibly risked one of the younger players like Reese Williams or, or Nat Phillips and as well as Kabak. I understand why they held Kabak until this game rather than the Manchester City game. And I think Liverpool will be top four because what, eventually what you'll do is you'll play the new centre-backs there, move Henderson into central midfield to play as the six and then t- play Thiago as an eight. So I think Liverpool will be top four soonish. I also still think they're going to beat RB Leipzig because there's just a little bit more glimmer to them. But um, yeah, I think I think this has been an imperfect storm and they've capitulated in a way that is surprising, but not totally unexpected, if mm. that makes sense. See, I would I would agree with Half Hope's assessment against Brighton, right? Because you would think, no, no matter what, okay, yeah, Van Dyke's out, yeah, Gomez is out, yeah, you have all these players out, but if you still have that front three, you still have fullbacks, you still have like Thiago and all those guys, 
you should be able to beat Brighton at home, no less. Once we start talking about Manchester City and Leicester and a much improved Leicester, as 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 you've given Rogers credit, perhaps that challenge becomes that bit harder to where okay, I can I can see you losing to Leicester at home three one. Maybe not that way, but you take those pieces out. All right, fine. Man, Man City is just Man City at this point. I don't know who's gonna stop them, but. Yeah, Brighton, I can understand your point, have hope. Uh, but yeah, if you take out Van Dyke and then you're going against like Sterling and Gundogan and Foden and all those guys, like getting slapped, I understand. But again, I didn't watch the Leicester game, so I don't know. Um, anything, anything, oh, but by the way, I think, I think it's fair to point this out. Last week, uh, we kind of had a discussion about why Klopp was so prickly. And why it seemed like, you know, like, why is he so mad? Like, why is he so angry? Why is he snapping at journalists and this and that? And then the next day, it came out that, you know, his mother had passed away and he couldn't go to Germany to, to go to the funeral and things like that. So life circumstances would obviously give us a clear reason why a man might be prickly. His mom passed away. He can't go to the funeral because of COVID and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So it's easy to give him a pass once you understand what's going on in his life. So maybe that's a lesson to me. Just just like, hey, man, just just because somebody's being or seeming like a bit of a dick, well, maybe they have a reason, you know? It's Um, really sad. Yeah, it's terrible that you can't go to your mother's funeral. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and he's got to to try and keep the good ship Liverpool floating. And on some level, you you almost want, well, I think it'd be nice... If there was a space for Klopp to have compassionate leave and to, to possibly visit Germany, or I don't think he can due to COVID restrictions, which is yeah, just the issue. terrible, hmm. terrible, right? But honestly, there, there are so many more important things going on at Liverpool right now than their current game situation. I think yeah. uh, I think a number of us owe Jurgen Klopp an apology. Me for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. By the way, Chelsea just beat Newcastle 2 0. So that game just ended. <laughs> I felt bad once I saw the news report. I was like, that would make me prickly. That would make me snap at people if I didn't really feel like being in the press conference. Why do you care about the title? Like, I'm having, like, my mom's gone. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that maybe I don't want to talk to you about, but I'll act with the energy that that causes. So, what was the next thing you guys said you watched? City Spurs. What happened? I didn't watch. I mean, I, I, I watched UV Napoli. I didn't watch City Spurs. Okay, Carl, we will start with you. City Spurs. Um, I've been seeing Spurs fans calling for Jose, so I'm going to assume this did not go well. For Spurs. No, it didn't go. It, it was outside of uh, an attempt from Harry Kane that she hit the bar. This was largely cruise control from Manchester City, a bit like a, a older sibling holding a younger sibling at arm's length. Um, this. Tottenham team's in a bit of a funk right now. And I don't see it getting better for a bit longer. Um, they came out with a little bit more ambition than they normally do when they play against Manchester City. Obviously, you've got the sort of Mourinho blueprint where you give the other team the ball and you try and counterattack. But for for reasons the counterattack isn't snapping or being as uh, important or as effective to Tottenham Hotspur at this point in time. But they play with this... Four two three one shape. They they made an effort in the, in the opening twenty, but it just it didn't come off the way Maria wanted it to. I think Eric Lamella had two or three times where he had the ball and was progressing pretty well, but he wasn't releasing it to Son or releasing it to Harry Kane uh, in the way that perhaps Harry Kane would release it to Son. Son himself isn't in this sparkling form he was in at the start of the season. 
so Son is one of those players where he doesn't take too many shots, but the shots he takes tends to be tend to be of really high quality, or he makes them really high quality because he has a good finishing ability. Um, and I think what's happened now is he's taking even fewer shots now, which makes each one he does take even more important. And I think the numbers just aren't working out anymore. Um, yeah, Tottenham are missing an X Factor or a Plan B, and the problems they have at the back just seems to be getting worse and worse. Uh, Gundogan was fantastic for Manchester City. Uh, Phil Foden was in a sparkling mood, as was Bernardo Silva. And it was, again, Manchester City are as close to doing a victory lap without doing a victory lap. I'd say they are the champions elect. They've won 17 games in a row now, 11 in a league in a row. They, they're looking like they're going to be possibly record equaling or record breaking as they get further and further into this Premier League run. And I don't see how you stop them. I think is this is this time for us to address the pink pelican in the room, which is has Pep made the Premier League trash? Hold on, have hope. So somebody wanted me to play this for you oh, and get God. and get a response. So keep the pink pelican, but okay. have won the Premier League title. Oh. you see, can no, no, there, there's no you see, there's no trying to be clever and smart about this. This isn't me. They have won the Premier League title. It's finished. It's done. Congratulations. Well done. Nice knowing you. So that was okay. This is it. That on, was that was on me, by the way. On, <laughs> why is it never you when it's like evidence? Uh, on December twenty second, twenty twenty, Hope on the Talking Tattoos podcast declared the Premier League for Liverpool. If Hope denies or says anything, it's a misquote. Here's the audio. So there you they go. They got you in four K. <laughs> Yeah, so if Pep has made the Premier League irrelevant or whatever this pink pelican is, mm. what were we seeing from Liverpool at the time and what has made City this good now? I underestimated um, Pep's ability to tweak his philosophy. I underestimated the impact of Diaz and I 100% I did not see Liverpool self-destructing like that. I didn't see this coming at all. The way in which Anfield have, has just completely now become a place where anybody can now get points. I just think that, it's because see, for me, the attack was so good, so potent, that I thought even when you lose those defenders, you've got, between Salah and Mane, you will still figure out how to score goals and just win games because those guys are just goals. Salah is one of the, he is the record goal scorer in the, in, the, in the Premier League for one season. So I just didn't see them becoming so cold in attack. And I didn't see Man City and Ilkay Gunogan being this good and this effective and just Pep being a bit more um, responsible in how he sets his team up. Not so gonko, not so attacking, where it's all about passing, creating triangles, keep the ball on the ground nice and, and intricate, but there is a bit more solidity to them as opposed to um, years prior, where they were great. 100-point season, best season that a team has ever had in terms of performance. But there just seems to be a bit more security about them, as opposed to those previous seasons. So yeah, look, it's, and that's just the beauty about football. It can switch to night and day without you knowing. Where at one point, if things seem so, so sure, next thing you know, boom. But this, it's a freaking 180. 180. I don't think it was an 180. I think it's a lick of paint, right? I think it's just... Um, so, 
Hope, you've said Pep Guardiola has made the Premier League irrelevant. Why mm-hmm. would you say that? 100-point season, 98-point season, record number of goals scored in a, in a season, record number of... Um, um, record number of wins, so record number of, of consecutive wins. Yes, Fergie won three in a row. Yes, Invincibles. Yes, what's it called? 12 goals scored by Chelsea. But the way in which City are just dismembering the competition and the way in which is just disrespecting guys that take the pitch. I'm like, now this is a whole different level that we didn't see from Fergie, Wenger, or Mourinho. So for me, it is like, yeah, this isn't this. The Premier League is the... Nah. Like Pepper just said, you know what? When I bring my football here and I get the, the players, I'm going to make this thing irrelevant. I'm going I'm to disrespect this league. Right, right. Okay, okay. Now, now, now <laughs> for, I'll, I'm, I'm with you in terms of Pep has been dominant in the Premier League. And I, I'm with you in that he's been he's achieved some remarkable things in the Premier League. Why would that make the Premier League irrelevant rather than just making Pep very good. Now, that's the key thing. Aha! <laughs> this is this is my dilemma. Is it that Pep is actually just a really good manager or is it that the Premier League is trash? I think that I would want to say the Premier League is trash. That's where I want to go. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm thinking that that might be the title of this podcast. So my thing is this is that, of course, Pep, is that to do that and so forth? And I'm not going to deny that the guys a coach improves players. But my thing is, this is that the Premier League is a great brand, and they have a great PR team that have um, perpetuated this lie and this fabrication of this being the best league in the world. No, it's not. It is the best brand. The football is trash if you go from top to bottom. And I just think that once you just got a team who really played football of, on a certain level. Boom. My thing is this. Buying Unix team, I would argue, talent-wise, was better than this Man City team. We don't even need to discuss Messi, Javi, Iniesta, Busquets, Puyol, and so forth. So if you think about it, compared to his previous teams, this is actually his weakest team. But in his weakest team... So, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm stopping you there. Carl, I, I, I think I agree with Have Hope on this one, Carl. Like, this Man City team is not as good as the Barcelona treble winning team. And it's not as good as the team that won the treble with Bayern that he but took that's, over. But that is... That so is, this is his worst team. But I'm not sure how that's relevant to... That's, not, that's why I'm pausing it, right? That's not relevant to, to the, the conversation of Pep. I'd say... You know what I mean? I'd, I'd say, right, first of all, across the board, this season is a... We can call this season an all-time aberrational one, right? This is a mess. This is a you can call it a, you can call it a glitch in the matrix, uh, an asterisk season. You can say it's a, a Mickey Mouse Premier League or whatever. But this season, <laughs> this season, a lot of the our traditional rules or the, the traditional conventional rules that we've had for the last three or four years don't apply, right? And be, so, like one really interesting thing about the Premier League right now is because you're playing games basically every single three days, momentum matters that much more. Ooh, right. I don't know if I believe in momentum. Momentum matters. Momentum matters that much more, right? So you can you can get into a state where, so back in the day, if you win three games in a row, you get nine points, and then you go up a couple of places because, but that takes three weeks typically, right? The time it will take you to win those three games in a row now is a week, week and a half. 
Chelsea, for all their talk about chaos and not finishing the Champions League, have just beaten Newcastle now and they're fourth. Manchester United were in the pits of 15th, had a very, very good run after the 6-1 defeat against Tottenham Hotspur and they were top of the league in January. And despite their little slump now, they're still second in the league, right? Uh, three or four wins in a row can get you to a very, very good place and then it can take you a reasonable place to undo it. So uh, you're seeing physical fatigue. Players are getting injured more. Uh, players are less able to run and do coordinated pressing and whatnot. And you're also seeing mental fatigue. So Klopp's talked about how Liverpool players, sometimes the cross will go in and a Liverpool player will just forget that the cross was meant for them. Whereas at Manchester United and whatnot, um, basically because Manchester United have a less structured appeal, that, that works for a little bit, right? Um, one thing that's been really interesting with Manchester City is the fact that they stopped doing the triple tap goal for a little bit because Pep went, this is too this is too confusing and this is too stressful on your brain to to play three games in a row. So you don't have to do this anymore. And now we're just gonna, you know, try and blow teams away in less structured ways. And it's only now that Gundogan's coming in and now that Phil Foden's coming and now that Bernardo Silva's coming that they're bringing back their old structures. Right. So <sighs> I don't know if if Pep's dominance makes the Premier League irrelevant. I just say I think Pep's dominance says more about Pep than it does about English football. I'd say what's also interesting is how Pep's done it. So I'd say the the good Manchester City teams had Fernandinho and then two free eights ahead of him. So one a KDB or one a David Silva, or whatever and whatnot. Whereas what you're seeing now is he's basically playing a very orthodox. He's playing the most orthodox football he's played since. Barcelona, really, right? You've got a conventional number six in Fernandinho. You've got Gunnar as a number eight doing box-to-box stuff. And then it's either Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden sometimes filling in and playing as a 10, even though they're in a fourth. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, no, isn't Rodri as a six? Sorry, Rodri, Rodri or Fernandinho plays the six. Then Gundogan plays as a very, very classic number eight. And, you know, it's really interesting how Gundogan's gone back to his Dortmund days of being a number eight, which is, to my mind, that was one of the best number eights in the world that wasn't called Iniesta or... Yeah, I'd say in 2002, the only box-to-box midfielder who was better than Gundogan at Dortmund was probably Iniesta. 2002? Um, 2012, I should say. Even. <laughs> I was like, damn, nigga. <laughs> yeah, Ronaldo was supposed to run as in the real, the real, the real oh, Ronaldo. The dead, the real, uh, so, yeah. In 2012, when Gungan was at his box to box peak, I'd say the only one box to box, box player who was better than him was Iniesta. He was that good. And the fact that he's managed to get Gungan back to that level is fantastic. And then you've got basically Foden fills in at a 10 sometimes. And then uh, Bernardo sort of fills in at 10 sometimes. And they're playing this sort of strikeless football. Even though it's strikeless, in theory, um, the midfield is the most conventional I've seen in that in a pep midfield in a long time. And I'd say, one, it shows how clever Pep Guardiola is. And two, it shows what everyone at the top end of football is having to do to maintain good levels at COVID. Everyone has had to acquiesce or to, to bend or they risk breaking. And what you've seen is Man City bent and did really, really well. And Liverpool broke. Isn't the real question, have hope, how good is KDB or how necessary is KDB? <laughs> He's, he isn't, which is why I've been trying to tell people that the dude ain't that good. They got 98 points without him. And now that they don't have, they don't have, they're going on a crazy winning run. KDB has never been that important and never been that good. 
Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, See, Alpha, why do you always take things like to that? It's that extra sentence. Because there's it's a, true. There's, there's, <laughs> hope, there's a difference, right? You can say you can say KVDB's never been that important. You cannot say he's never been that good. I tweeted this out recently. Was it 20 yeah. assistants? How, 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 yeah. how, how I tweeted tweet, I, I, I tweet this recently. KDB's hot sauce, right? So ah, yes. he makes, you know, you want hot sauce on your table. You, whenever you have hot sauce or access to hot sauce, you're very useful. It's very helpful. It makes most foods better. And then when things aren't really kicking, you can put some hot sauce on it. And it's like, oh, great. I'm glad I got hot sauce. Now, if you do the basic stuff of your food properly, you don't need hot sauce. But it's always nice to have hot sauce. And I think that's what he is <laughs> to match the city. Question. Okay. This is Pep's fifth season. Yep. This will be I didn't title this number coming. three. Mm-hmm. Who else had three and five? Zidane. Mourinho. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, or four or five or five or six or six or seven, they didn't win. We don't count or seven or eight because he was there for like two months. Then 13-14, that'd be season four, didn't win it. 14-15, he won the league. So that's three and five. So if Pep's dominance is, oh my goodness, he's destroying the league. Just because Mourinho didn't do it sequentially, he's still with him. Yes? No? Okay, never mind. No. <laughs> I, I know it's no, half hope, but just let it breathe, man. Um, Anything, what's left in the Premier League? I have Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Leeds... Apparently, Aubameyang had a flashback. That was a really fun game. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, it's it's sort of leads leads are always going to be fun, and I re- I recommend them to to the neutral. But it was nice to see. It um, was nice. It was nice to see Arsenal play with some really nice movement and zip. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe is looking really really good. He played in a wide area this time. See, this is the fun thing, right? Interesting thing. So. Arsenal played really well based on the movement. Emil Smith Rowe, uh, Mine Odegaard, and Biako Saka. Uh, Saka is Saka's Arsenal's best player, right? He should be player of the season. Uh, I definitely think he should be their player of the season. Uh, uh, the main thing from Saka is even though he's a teenager, he plays with like an old man's experience and a veteran's experience. There was a really interesting moment where, I, to my mind, it looks as if Arsenal should have got a penalty, but they didn't at, the, at that time. They got one later where he took the ball, he drove it in, and then he knew... He knew if he took the ball with an extra touch, that the defend he basically lured the defender into the tackle, and the tackle would take him to the penalty area and get a penalty. And I went, "Oh, he's he's actually twenty nine years of age. He knows exactly how to play football." So that was really nice. And then what you saw was around like the sixtieth minute, Arteta brings on William, and you're like, "Why have you done that? Why did you do that? Why? why like you're, you, you, they were they were four. It, it was he's they were the most four. hated man in football, bro. They were four do you, two. Do you know up. how useless he's been? Arsenal were <laughs> Arsenal were four two up at the Don't time. Don't hit that, William, man. They were four two up at the time, and Arteta brings on Willian for. I think he brings him on for Odegaard. I'm going. Why have you done that? You've got Martinelli on the bench now. I you know I'm assuming he's saving Martinelli because Martinelli's in interesting fitness. I thought he'd be out for the rest of the season. But it was a real, like, he deflated his own good vibes. And I don't understand why. William wasn't good for the majority of the game. And I think uh, it's really unfortunate how that's working out for him. Because, you know, William is a nice man, I will say. He's a a nice man who, yeah, he's a nice man. And it's, it's a real shame that his, when the deal was made, I went, okay, 
I mean, the length of this contract is weird, but I'm assuming the final year will just be written off like a amortization fee. But if you can get two years of production from him, that'd be really nice. And he could like help mentor the youth. Whereas what's happened is he's just he's just an albatross, isn't he? Oof. All right, last thing. I don't know if you want to talk about this call, but we're talking about it. Manchester United's West Brom. What happened? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, to, so on Friday, it's, uh, to, to peek behind the athletic curtain on Friday, I had a phone call with my editorial team uh, and we were trying to plan what we we're going to do for the rest for this week. And uh, my, my, my boss asked me, oh, what are you going to write about Manchester United now, Monday? And I went, oh, I'll probably do something on set pieces uh, because I said, you know, United aren't very, very good at defending set pieces. They've conceded the third highest amount in the league. They're underperforming in set pieces for a while. And I'm assuming it's going to be really, really relevant because if you play against West Bromwich Albion and against Big Sam, they're going to try and put in loads of crosses and loads of set pieces. They're probably going to try and score from Ireland. They're probably going to do loads of crosses and United should probably be worried. Otherwise, they'll probably concede first from across. So there I am on Sunday. I watch the game and when 82 seconds, they score from across. And I'm just there going, well, I was right. Hmm. Ray, <laughs> what happened was, I think, what often happens with this Manchester United team where they are, this United team cannot be better than the sum of their parts because they don't link up. There are no proper connections outside perhaps Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford on the left and Fred and Scott McTominay in central midfield. And even then that partnership is one based on shared weaknesses. Are those partnerships you'd even want? So Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford on the left is a genuine good partnership and probably the best partnership they've got. Marcus Rashford have to play on the right-hand side because at the moment, Martial's in a rotten run of form. So Marshall, <laughs> so Rashford on the right-hand side probably gives better balance to the team as a whole. Quick pause. I'm sitting here with two Martial FC guys. I'm, I'm sad, I'm, man. I might it's even not... include myself slightly in this. <laughs> um, how do we feel about him right now? <laughs> stock, my stock is crumbling, man. <laughs> crumbling. So, so your stock is not GameStop. It's like uh, whatever else crashed. One of I do not think. I don't. I don't think that Anthony Martial should be starting for Manchester United right now, which, which is which is remarkable, right? At the start of the season, he was a starting number nine. Right now, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he should be. I think he should be a bench option for maybe twenty. Minutes. Did we talk about the the picture that came out with like the food that he was eating? Oh, it made me sad. <laughs> oh. Unseasoned, gentrified meals and whatnot. So, what what what, what do you think, Hefo? What's going on with with our guy, man? He's not getting enough jollof, eba, suya, <laughs> amala, starch, egusi. He needs vitamins. Obono. <laughs> yeah, it's obvious. I come, ever since that picture came up, bro. If you're not eating, you know they used to say that like before Nigeria used to play like matches, they used to have like pandediam or eba. <laughs> If you eat Eba, do you know how f- you eat that? You are good for like two days. You cannot feel Straight. the cold. You cannot feel the cold. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, no. That thing, that thing, it's, it holds your body in, in place, man. So basically, Nigerians and Gangadians, they, they know that. But like, my thing is, um, seriously, though, it's, um, he's bad. Like, he's a, he's a classy brick, like 100%. He's a classy brick, which is crazy because who would have thought a guy this good who had his own personal football club would generally be a legitimate brick because just not 
no threats, not effective, runs are not interesting, not really a goal threat. And he's, it's, there is no argument for him to even be in this team. So as a manager, you say to yourself that, is this just a, okay, he's bad on his, look at him of now, scored. Who knows? Maybe he will now go on something and he's been on a run of horrible form where you know it's affected his his morale. For Martial, I don't think Martial is a morale guy. I don't think he's a he doesn't strike me as a guy who, oh my gosh, I've not scored. This is gonna really bother me. I don't think so. So I just think it's a case of where the talent is there. He's not gonna be bad <clears throat> for this long. So I think it's a case of where this is the right thing. Let's Cavani play. Stay out to the team for a few days and so forth. Refresh yourself. Get back into training. Do a few new things in training. Improve on your, on, on, on a few mechanics of a game. Then come back in. You know, Because I always agree in that mode. Because some managers will say, oh no, let them play through it. I'm like, nah. Two, three matches. Go away. Let's work on different training re- regimes. Come back with a whole new outlook. Your, your brain is refreshed. Your mind is refreshed. And then you can... Um, it, 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 you're not giving the better kind of chance to now maybe get back on from rather just playing again and again and again and your mind space is still in oh, I've missed, I've missed, I've not played, I've not played, I've not played well so um, Okay Carl, I'm going to give you a quiz I wonder if you've, you know the answer I don't know the answer but I'm thinking that you might have a good ballpark <laughs> Okay How many points have Manchester United rescued from losing positions this season? 21 I knew you would know it. <laughs> Twenty-one. That is, it is. Uh, it's the third highest in uh, in the Premier League season all time. And there's still already thirteen, fourteen already. games left to go. Yeah. What do you make of that statistic? Uh, it's weird, right? They've won twenty-one points from losing positions. That's seven uh, games. And the thing is, they're all away from home. Wow. Uh, I wrote a piece on the Athletic about this, and I think it's basically a combination of how Manchester United play on the counterattack. So even though home and away, you know, Solskjaer doesn't really believe in home and away, I think what happens is there is still an impetus from the team that plays at home to, to try and be more proactive in their attacking play, which means there's more space in behind for Manchester United to do counter-attacking football. Mm. And it looks as if, uh, I say looks as if, because I still haven't been to Carrington because of COVID, but I asked Solskjaer recently, I say recently, before the fourth round of the FA Cup, I asked Solskjaer, how do you coach your counterattacks and how do you make sure you don't end up offside so united are top of the league right now for getting pinged by the offside trap and he said uh he says basically we, we coach situations and then people are given decisions to make and then they have to look at whether they have to make the pass or whether to to go quickly so it sounds as if Solskjaer and first of all it sounds as if Solskjaer and Mourinho aren't too far apart in their coaching techniques because they both look to coach situations rather than set routines that Pep Guardiola does. But I think what happens is when you play away from home, there's more space in behind. And also because you coach situations, players aren't really doing, oh God, I have to pass here and then I have to pass here and then I have to pass here. When you're playing and you're like a, a goal behind and you're trying to just get a goal to, to get back to parity, you're like, I don't care what I have to do. Just do it quickly. Um, and I think that's what you got, right? The, the goal that happened for Manchester United came from Luke Shaw pinging it in to a decent area at the near post and Bruno Fernandes going, I'm just going to throw my shin at this wildly mm. and having it go in. When you've got a player like Bruno Fernandes, you can, for some reason, not feel the effects of tired and fatigue and he's just playing like a whirling dervish right now. And you've got a team like Manchester United who, for better or worse, their entire game plan is get it to Bruno. There is, they're always going to have a, 
a half decent chance. United were very poor against West Bromwich Albion. It's the lowest amount of shots a team has had against West Bromwich Albion all season. They only had nine. Uh, I think every other team this season, well, every other team between, every other team since Big Sam was taken over at West Brom has had at least 10 shots on goal and United only had nine. That's damning. Uh, Harry Maguire said there should have been a penalty, but that wasn't the thing. And yeah, United probably could have lost that game. Diang had two or three chances and they were they were roundly embarrassed on crossing aerial balls because Victor Lindelof can be very easily bullied in the air. You know how we say the table doesn't lie? I think the table's lying with Manchester United in second. Like It's like 22 points from losing positions. 22. I was just doing some quick math. So let's say we gave Fulham 22 extra points that they shouldn't have, right? Or not that they shouldn't have, but that they found a way to win. I think that's a better phrasing. If you gave them 22 points, they'd have 40 points. They'd be comfortably sixth. They'd be tied with Liverpool. That's Fulham. With 13, 14 games left to go. The idea that you could rescue 30 points conceivably from losing positions. Does that mean the table's lying or does that mean that this team is historically... I don't know. They just have intestinal fortitude on some level that we haven't seen. Like, Apple, what what do you make of this? The the table is lying. United are not <laughs> the second best team. No, so, I don't. I don't. I don't think Manchester United are the second best team. I think they're probably the third best team. And so, so who, so who do you say the second best team then? At the moment, it's Leicester. At the moment, it's Leicester City right now, right? But the the Premier League table, the Premier League table, man, the only thing that separates Manchester United and Leicester City is goal difference. So yeah. Right. I think you... I think I don't think it's a false. I don't think the Premier League table is a false image. I think what you're seeing. <laughs> Wallahi, <laughs> Wait, what? What did you say? Do, do you know that meme where it's like Wallahi, it is a false, <laughs> false image. image. <laughs> this is a false image. Oh, when someone says Wallahi, you are finished. <laughs> I just, just quickly, I don't know how. The Arabic language has been now used and co-opted into football conversation. But cross and inshallah, <laughs> cross and alhamdulillah, wallahi, no, no, no. it's a false. Like, did I you thought know, these did, were sacred words. Like, how... Did you know why? These, are, these are sacred words. You it's, know? it's like, it's it's Arabic commentary. It's so every, every single time you Allah. see like a, a goal being scored, <laughs> the retweets is always of Arabic commentary. And my, the bit about this is that you just see the guy commentating and as soon as the goal goes, Allah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like cross it, inshallah. I thought inshallah was like you know, and I like I understand the meaning, but yeah. Anyway, um, someone should yeah yeah. It is it is interesting how Arabic words have have worked their way into the football lexicon. But you know, I suppose there are lots of black words that work their way into the sports lexicon as well. Um, False yeah, image I, is what you were saying. For, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I do not think the Premier League table is a false image. I do, I do think, I do think this is as high as Manchester United deserve to be in the Premier League table, and they will probably level out and play, finish third, ish. Um, what was it, oh, just quickly, and we can end this conversation here. Was there a little piece of your fan brain that ever tricked yourself into believing that we could actually win this? No, that's okay. why. I, that's why. I, that's why I tweeted that crazy. Remember. I think we had a moment where I said, you got free the tweets. you got to act shameless as you want because it's not going to last forever. Mm. And I think I did. I expected Manchester United to be in the tight race for longer than this. Mm. Right? So the first time they went top of the table after Burnley, everyone was just being shameless, shameless tweets. 
um, because everyone thought, you know, they'd play Liverpool on the Sunday, they'd lose it at Anfield, and then it'd be back to reality. But that Liverpool game finished nil-nil, and it looked as if United could have won. So then the mood changed. And then when United went back top of the table after Fulham, you noticed United fans weren't tweeting crud. They weren't chatting bad. And I went, oh, you're, you're acting quiet because you don't want anyone to start beefing in case this doesn't last for too long. And I said, okay. And I think that that was the big change. United went from being, oh, this is quite funny. We're top, ha, 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 ha. We're not very good. To after the film going, oh, no. If we can sort our lives out, we can we can win this. And then now what you're getting is, the uh, you know, Manchester United didn't sort their lives out. And now it's the inquisition as to why they didn't sort their lives out, as to whether or not certain players will help them sort their lives out, uh, and whether or not certain players being moved on will help them sort their lives out. All right. Have hope. You may mm. Napoli. Mm. I generally have no idea what happened. So you're going to break news to me. So what happened? Who won? Napoli won. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, it was a very good weekend for Inter Milan. That never happens. Yeah. No, look, it was a, no, it, basically it was a perfect weekend for Inter Milan because AC Milan lost to Spezia and Juventus lost to... AC uh, Milan lost to who? Spezia. Spezia? Spezia? Yep, that's a place or a thing. Yes, it's a it's something, but but they, <laughs> but they, lost, they lost it to that. Um, I think no, look, um, it was good to see. Won. Wow, it, it was it was good to see Victor Osimhen back. I think this was his first game back since his he scored. Injury. No, no, um, oh. pen, penalty um, in oh, senior. Boy. But I think the thing about it's it going to go to court. Juventus, <laughs> especially no, you, no, you, Juventus are a team where they have no creativity, you know. And it's very much a team that it's dependent on Cristiano doing something. And I think I as you're watching the game so far, you're like, uh, like there is something just very unconvincing about this UV team. I mean, defensively, they're, they're pretty good. I think De Ligt has finally now um, improved his um, defensive quality because he was shaky when he, he first came in. But I'm just looking at events, I'm like, yeah, that midfield just, there's nothing to that midfield. Midfield, it's very functional, but there's nothing to it, and it's just, it's pretty much reliant on okay, we'll give the ball to either Chiesa, Morata, Cristiano, and hope they 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 do something. The most creative player is Cuadrado, who plays right back. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for Napoli to get into that top four. And I think they've badly missed Osimhen because before he got injured, he was being very effective for for them, but um, it's. <sighs> This the, the narrative of this season is 10 in a row. If Juventus win 10 in a row, that would just be the complete domination of the Syria for a for a decade. <laughs> so the pressure is on I think nobody ever really thought Islam would win it. They just thought, wow, get top four. Yeah. They don't have the squad or the quality to last for for 38 games compared to Inter and Juve. So the pressure is on Inter. But we know that Inter Milan are known for choking Choke and, and messing up you know so yeah it's at least this has been i think this is going to be a very exciting end to the season because i think last season in Lazio hinted Atlanta hinted but you always knew it was going to be between Inter and Juve this generally feels like if it's okay it's like a three horse race and Napoli are even hanging in there as well so it huh. seems a bit more there are more teams in the in the conversation as opposed to last season I'm looking season. at the table as we speak and the thing that points out to me, or just like 
screams at me. Inter have scored 54 goals this season. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a Conte team. Mm. So Lukaku is like carrying them clearly. Mm. So, have, Carl, have 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 we have you talked about? Have we been on here since you wrote the article that Lukaku is top five in the world? I don't know. Oh, since we well, called, that. Uh, that was in December, so that was when Inter Milan was still in the Champions League. Um, no, I don't think I've been. I, I think Lukaku is world class. I think he's world class in, but in that weird zone that if I say he's world class, everyone goes really. Um, this is why I have hope uses his weird tier system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Upper tier two in the second bracket in always the third walks. row. Always walks, man. Always walks. Yeah, it, First it's fine. On the left. As I wrote in the piece, everyone everyone understands that world class is important, but everyone has a slightly different definition of world class. But I think, I think. You can you can reasonably call Romelu Lukaku uh, the course. best. I you can reasonably call Romelu Lukaku the best no really football player, which is uh, to borrow something I, from Brian Phillips. Brian Phillips called Jimmy Butler the biggest no really superstar in the NBA. Where you go, Jimmy Butler's a superstar, and you go, no really, he's a superstar. And I think that's what Lukaku is. Romelu Lukaku is world class. No really, he's world class. He's he's vitally important to how that Inter Milan team works, both in their attacking play and their and their creativity. Right, him and Martinez have that fantastic partnership. Please hold our thoughts very quickly. This this doesn't have to make the the podcast. Lewandowski has scored twenty five goals so far this season in the Bundesliga. Only twenty one games played. (laughs) Divide by two. And that's the accurate number. So why are, 12, dividing, why are we dividing by two? Bundesliga tax. This is Bundesliga tax. This is my uh, division until I've figured out the proper formulas by which to divide each goals per league. So right now it's just divide by two, but I think it could be divided by one point eight, and that would uh, be more correct. But I I don't believe these. You said twenty five <laughs> and twenty one. Yeah, I think. Look, first of all, Lewandowski is the best number nine. The best out and out number nine in the world. If the if the Ballon d'Or went ahead, he would have won the Ballon d'Or. Um, That's there's a also travesty, the fact, by the way. It is uh, the fact that we didn't the fact that we didn't do the Ballon d'Or, but we still having very boring Ballon d'Or arguments. Awful. Um, either get rid of the Ballon d'Or entirely, or, or just keep having the Ballon d'Or. Uh, so there's that. He's also playing on what is the most dominant foot club team in the world, and that has been confirmed now because they've won the World Club Championships. They've won six in. Six trophies in a year. Who, who do they beat for that? Fushika? Andrews? No, they beat Tigres, uh, the <laughs> Mexican side. Come on, man. Come Fushika on, man. Antlers. You're Bro, a football man. Do your stat. Do your numbers. Run your numbers. Run your numbers. Anyway, uh, so. When did this he, game take place? Uh, I want to say it, midweek. Midweek. It was oh, midweek. Oh, damn. I have power. So, <laughs> so he, he's he's the best out and out striker in the world, playing on the on what has now been confirmed. Now uh, you can put confirmed in quotes if you want in what is viewed to be the best club team in the world, uh, and he's being supplied by two or three fantastic attacking players at any given point in time, at least. And, and I think that's why he's getting the goals. I think him, Cristiano Ronaldo, to a slightly lesser extent. Zatanna AC Milan have proven that it's if not necessarily. If you put peak 2012 Messi in the in this version of the Bundesliga, he's scoring 100 goals a season. In a calendar year? No, yeah, I give... no. In 34 games, he's scoring 100 goals. Is what 100. He got 50 in La Liga. So I multiply I it by 1.5, whatever it is. 
I don't I don't know if he scores a hundred. I'd definitely say he can score fifteen or comps. Easy. In the in the calendar year twenty twelve, Messi that's scored ninety two goals, right? That's mm. more about Messi though. That's more about Messi than it does. Put him about in the anything. Bundesliga, it's 130, 140. You put twenty twelve Messi in most leagues and most errors, he's going to score thirty goals. Right? You've got to bear in mind there's a point. Remember that point in time when Messi was bored and would just start chipping the ball so he could volley it in? Yes. That was this that was so disrespectful. <laughs> Look, Lionel Messi How did he score fifty goals this season? Lionel Messi is probably the greatest goal. He's probably the greatest football player of all time. I don't know if I'll ever call him my goat, and I don't know why. He hasn't. He doesn't have a World Cup. It's it's personal taste. There, it, it, the only reason why I won't call him the goat is personal taste. He probably is the goat. I can't call him my goat. No, no, no he can't because he doesn't have a World Cup. Never scored in a World Cup knockout game. So. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, you you can put whatever you want to put in there, and as reasons as to why he won't be your goat, but he probably is the goat. Just just quickly, while we're in Germany, I don't know how we got here from Lukaku, but we're here anyway. Um. Marco Rose is yes. confirmed mm. to be the Dortmund manager for next season. They sacked Favre. They brought in an interim dude. It's not going the it's flick going way. Well. So they yeah. brought in the Borussia Mönchengladbach guy for next year. This is kind of goes hand in hand with Bayern. Just said they were going to sign uh, Opomacano from Leipzig. So Germans, they just don't care. They'll just announce, we're taking your coach, we're taking your player. This is happening next season, but you guys can work it out, squad dynamics, mm. what have you. What do you guys think about this? Just these mid-season announcements in the Bundesliga. I don't, I don't like it. I hate it's it. Very, it's very German. And, Isn't it? Uh, I haven't seen it occur in any other league, in recent <laughs> times at least. I think the closest, the closest we've had was when Pep Guardiola got Could announced. Could you imagine if like Chelsea said they were going to sign Pogba? Chelsea, you're going to sign Pogba now. It's going to happen next year. Could you imagine what the media would do? English media. Pogba's going to Chelsea. What does this mean? Woo, woo, woo. Germany is just like, ah, yeah, we, we're taking your best center back. Figure it out. We're taking your coach. Figure it out. It's just like, what? Ugh. I mean, the big thing for Dortmund now is they've got to make sure they finish in the Champions League places because if they don't, they could lose a lot of their interesting young talent. Uh, Manchester United will probably spin the up block if... If uh, if Dortmund finish sixth, which they currently are, last time I checked the Bundesliga table, yeah, which was on six, Sunday, so it, uh, from what I understand, oh. Bund- they, from what I understand, Dortmund very much want to keep Haaland for as long as possible, yeah. but players such as Sancho and Gio Reyna could be available. Do you guys yeah, think but, Gladbach yeah. to Dortmund is a lateral move rather yes. than a progressive move? Yes, it's progressive because I mean, like he has. I think overachieved with Gladbach. You mm. they were not supposed to make it through that Champions League group. Blame that on Bomas Conte and Inter Milan. Um <laughs> he has overachieved in the Bundesliga. They shouldn't be doing better than Dortmund or even Hoffenheim. Like, you know, remember watching Gladbach, like, you know, they're one of those teams that fell victim to I think because was it didn't Mac, wasn't my Macroys with them at, at at a point. So it's his great management and coaching with the players that he has. Because he doesn't really have superb, amazing players like that. Players guy from France, Suram. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, their their best player I think is their keeper. I think he has a great keeper. But 
Yeah, look, it's the it's stock a, it's, you have in Jan Sommer. I need you to sell that shit. Man. No, no, no. He's, he's good. He's good. <laughs> every he's good. every time we talk about Gladbach, oh, they're the, their goalkeeper, man. He's great. He's great. Like he's no, you, he's not. You, you don't even watch the Bundesliga. So who I watched the Bundesliga. I get ESPN Plus. No, no, I couldn't no. watch it this week because you don't. <clears throat> we should be talking more. I didn't about have power. Thorem, Marcus Thorem, that's my guy. No, he I he I but he I still spits think on people. Um, <laughs> so, he apologized. He apologized. Yeah, he apologized. And also, look, he's Turam, he's black, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, black Excuse man. Excuse me? As in, like, we have to forgive our fellow black people. Man, I, see, so. I, see, I see. Um, All right, Issa Ray. Dortmund is an improvement because, look, it's a bigger club, bigger fan base, more known. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's they're more respected and. And the brand is a lot bigger than Mönchengladbach. So put it this yeah, way. Yeah. He goes to Dortmund. There is more expected of him than Mönchengladbach. He's not expected to win the league. He's not even expected to finish top three, top four with Mönchengladbach. If you can, great. But you're not expected to. Dortmund, you're expected to win the league. <laughs> so, And you know. I just think the way people were hyping him in particular, if he waited a little bit longer, perhaps he could have gotten a better job than Dortmund. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't All know right. about that. Let's let's do some questions and then we will get out of here. Hopefully before one ten, as I promised before. Um, from Kev underscore La Liga fan, will the Bundesliga ever be competitive? Why are Dortmund so trash? So kind of going to our last point. Um, this will be Bayern's ninth if they pull it off, which they most likely will. Um. I think half hope. If we're looking for a team that's going to win their league for a decade straight, mm. I think it's Bayern, not Juve, because Juve kind of—I mean—they fucked off this season with Pirlo. So, when when Juve win the league this season, what 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 are you gonna say? <laughs> it's gonna be even worse because I wasn't expecting Pirlo <laughs> to do it, and then if he does do it, then they... that's a hope. It will be the ultimate disrespect. How if... many managers have have they gone through? So. Conte, Conte, Allegri, Allegri sorry. sorry, Pirlo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, will the Bundesliga ever be competitive? It's looking doubtful. If the best team keep getting stronger and stronger and the competition don't seem to be getting as strong as them, what is the argument? And also, Bayern Munich are one of the most best-run clubs out there. Yeah. I just don't see any arguments for any other club even um, competing or getting close to Bayern, you know, like the best chance is if, okay, just let us keep some of our players. Like what you had in that club era was great for the Bundesliga because that was a great Bayern dominant. Hence why I almost get it. Get, I find it offensive when they say De Classica. De Classica. You, that was you, you, you pimp slap this team every single time you meet them. How's that a classic? A classic beating, yes, but not a, a classic match. No, their, their, their classica was made up. It's not yeah. real. They no. they just wanted their version of a El Clasico. El Clasico, which so is they just put their cheap. two best teams and called it the Classica. Um, Gatlock, our friend Gatlock. Question for Talking Tactics: Why do these German teams just take from each other, especially right before each of them play important Champions League games? And then he has the emoji with the head in his hand. They're different. I don't know what to say. It's yeah. more it's more transactional there, right? It's just yeah. it's it's not 
it's not considered uh, socially taboo. It's just doing business. Do you know, I think maybe... Mancano is going to buy in Munich for, him for next season. So now, I mean, on one hand, that is, oh God, Bayern are going to get even stronger. But you can also think of it in the very German sense of the term that, oh, all the German teams are like, okay, now we can plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have more time to... Well, they'd always have the time to plan because they, they know what's happening. It's like, why announce it? Yeah, yeah. Why why announce it is is something that and we, maybe we, that's we want to we we want the news to come out on our terms rather than some reporter leaking mm-hmm. it. And so let's just tell everybody now. That's maybe the only reason I can think of. You know, um, I will say buying announce it now has made my life a lot easier because now I don't have to constantly have to deal with questions about oh, Upamakano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do, how am I supposed to pronounce it? I think Upamakano. it's a, a Pumakano, but Upamakano. it might be Thank a Pumenkano. Half hope, do you have a beat on it? No. Diode op- Opumakana. Um listen play FIFA. I'm sure the the guy has it. Um, I do not own FIFA. Say again? I do not own FIFA twenty one. Pro Evo is better, FIFA's trash. I have been told this. I do not own either of these games. Ngolo uh Ngozulu Matando asks Lukaku or Haaland? Uh, Haaland. Yeah, I think Holland is. You can rely on him. I think he's he's a better goal scorer. Yeah, I say Lukaku. I I I love Lukaku. I think he's fantastic. But I think Holland is younger. I think Holland has a better what sense league? of where to pick up the ball close to the six yard box. So when you look up, if when you look at some of the goals Holland is getting, mm-hmm. and how close to goal he is when he's mm-hmm. doing it, and how he basically has already got the poacher's instinct that you don't get until you're 29, 28, but he's doing that already in his early 20s. Whereas Lukaku can sometimes need a little bit more perfection to manufacture his chances. Yeah, I, I take I take Haaland and I build around him. What's the hardest league to score a goal in? Uh, major, I don't know major, major, major top five league, would you say? I don't, I don't know anymore. I would say Serie A. What's the I... easiest league to score a goal in? I don't know anymore. You're, I would say the Bundesliga. <laughs> so Daniel, I, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, we're basing with Daniel. We're basing this off information that happened in the nineties, right? There was a point. There was a point in time where Italy was definitely hard to to score it, right? There was definitely a point in time. How many where, goal scores have they had over thirty in the past thirty years? Or the number ever? keep the number keeps getting bigger. Higuain. And, no, and the, and the see here's the problem. This is why. This and is I think why. That might be the list. This is why you keep saying ever, right? And this is the problem. There was definitely a point in time where it was harder to score in Italy because teams in Italy defended deep and teams in Italy did not go out to, and didn't stop, didn't keep attacking when they're two 0 down. They're like fine. There was definitely a point in time where it was where it was the hardest league to score in. But there was definitely a point in time where for a little, there was a little bit, there was a little chunk of time, maybe in the last 10, 15 years, where Italy was one of the easiest leagues to score in because teams didn't press. And now what you're seeing is this bit where Italian football is getting up to the point where not only are they beginning to press against the ball in the same way that other teams in, the, in Europe's top five leagues are doing, but they're also still being able to defend deep and other things. So honestly, I don't know if it's harder to score in Italy than it is in other leagues. I don't watch enough Italian football. I cannot I'm not using last season because, okay, last last season was a Corona season. So obviously uh, there were two goal scorers. It's, that had it's, over it's 30. still Syria. Syria right. is still the hardest league to score. Ronaldo and Immobile had over 30. But then I mean, if we go to the season before... If, if you tell me, based on the fact you watch it, 
week in, week out, and you watch the Premier League week in, week out, and you say this, 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 and this, and based on tactical reasons here and this, I will believe you. If you're saying this based on what used to happen in the 1990s, I'm not going to believe you. No, 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 but Daniel's point still starts. I'm not accusing you. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying, when you ask me... I'm being a Wikipedia merchant. It's not I'm a 90s merchant. It's I'm a Wikipedia merchant. There's a difference, Carl. No, no, you're a different kind of trash. I no, no, was yes. If, I was nine if, years old in 1999. I don't know so, what so, Serie no, A was. No, was no, if, if there is a league where you only three or four people have scored over 30 goals in its entire tenure, and you look at other leagues, I'm seeing 40 goals, 31, 32, 33, 30. Then it's like uh, here's the thing, yeah. though. Have hope. Like, <laughs> but if you've got a league where you've had multiple teams finish the season unbeaten, swear. Which no, no. It, but it, the it, question it, is it, harder to score in. Italy has more. Well, again, this is the thing. Hard to score. For who? Doing what? Here's well, here's the thing. And this is a counter-argument that I've heard. Like, And it's actually true if you look at the numbers. Like, Not a lot of people score over 20 goals in the Bundesliga. It's like scoring over 20 in the Bundesliga is like a feat, right? But they also only play 34 games in that league. So imagine if you gave Lewandowski four more games or Haaland four more games as everybody else does. What What, what happens to those numbers? You know, so I guess that's that's one tick or credit you can maybe give to the Bundesliga goal scorers. Hey, they, it's hard to score over twenty, but yeah, y'all play why less games. It, why does it matter? Because it's about the numbers at the end of the day. Our goal scorers are always judged by numbers. It just is what it is. It, um, right. Why didn't have hope have to jinx Ansu Fati? We should be talking about him being young player why of the it, season. Why is this a question? Why but you got to jinx him. Because everybody you rep gets injured. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not acknowledging that as a question. Look at Hazard. Look at Neymar. Look at Alexis. Look at. Listen, your goat. I'm sorry to say it, but I think your goat. It happened because of you. <laughs> Damn. I'm just joking. I'm joking. That 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 that's harsh. That one's harsh. <laughs> I don't think have hopes Juju extended to Ronaldo. I think Hazard though. I think he could take you to court. <laughs> I do think that. All right, keep keep, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Um, <laughs> now on to my question. This is this is the guy that gave us evidence on half hope earlier. Um, if United get a center back, defensive midfielder, and a right winger, do you guys believe they can challenge for the league next season? That's a lot of purchases in one summer, and it depends on who those people are. But yes, those are areas that where Manchester United need to improve. Last question from Black Emoji. If Chelsea finish the season in the top four, can we officially confirm that the players turned on Lampard? Question mark. No, you cannot. How ironic would it be considering the rumors of his involvement in previous player revolts? I think there was a mutiny and I, and I support it. <laughs> and that's I mean, that. I do think it's... I, if there was a mutiny, I do think it is ironic. That Lampard was thought to have been in previous uh, mutinies before, and then he becomes manager, and then let's Karma. say there was one that players turned against him. That that, that 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 the culture that he allowed to take root eventually turned back on him or came back against him. I do think that's that's slightly ironic, but I don't. You you'd have a really hard time convincing me which players were like the leaders of this thing. Like Keppa, you think Keppa has like the sway in the dressing room to get rid of Frank Lampard? Probably not. I think Antonio Rudiger could just go and just, hey guys, let's get rid of Frank. Like I don't, I don't think that's happening. No, I don't think 
that the players turned on Lampard if Chelsea make top four. If Chelsea make top four, it's just probably because Thomas Tuchel's just a better coach. And oh, Thomas Razor. Yeah. Simple solution, solution is often is the correct often the correct. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you guys have any last comments that you would like to discuss before we jump off here? Yes, I do. Uh, Garin, you got a sale going on on the Athletic right now when new subscribers can get fifty percent off. <laughs> All you have to do to get fifty percent off on new subscribers go to theathletic.com Plug slash. It's going to theathletic.com <laughs> slash UCL. Guys, please help pay Carl's bills, okay? Uh, he will, he will be homeless else. if you don't, okay? So help a brother out. Go Very... on your iPhone, your iPad, and subscribe to the Athletic to help to help Carl, okay? Very, very quickly, uh, Champions League games. So this podcast goes out on Tuesday. So the Champions League game that will be on is RB Leipzig versus Liverpool and then Barcelona versus PSG. <gasps> I forgot. Uh, gentlemen, very quickly, who's going to win out RB Leipzig and Liverpool? 2-1 Liverpool. I agree with Have Hope. Yep, I think Liverpool win that one. Who's going to win out of Barcelona versus PSG? 2-1 Barcelona. I'm going with PSG on this one. 1-1 one, one draw. I'm going with PSG, even though they haven't got Neymar. On Wednesday, it's Sevilla versus Dortmund. Daniel, who's going to win? Sevilla. I also think Sevilla. Hope? 2-0 Sevilla. Okay, and Porto versus Juventus. I'm going to say Porto get a draw. See, I would like to go against Juventus, but my head won't allow me to do that. I'm going to say 1-0 Juventus. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read it on the show. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. If you want to help the podcast out monetarily, check us out on Patreon, forward slash Talking Tactics. Check it out. Carl. Where can the people get you? Twitter at Anchorman616. And you can also find me on Athletic. Remember, it's 50% off when you subscribe. Help a brother out. Help a brother out. Slash UCL 2021. That's the letters UCL and the number 2021. Some of the best sports writing you can get. There we go. Half Hope, where can people get you? Halfoffballhot.com. All the links are in the description, guys. All right. Talking Tactics Podcast. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.